On the sixth episode of Brad on Will, we have a special guest, the Ryan Hollins, joining us. We're going to be talking about topics such as what are Jalen Green's peak and Kevin Porter Jr. having a top five, 10 skill set in the league. So let's dive into it. Welcome back to a very, very, very special episode of Brad on Will. I am one of your hosts, Will. You can find me Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff at Bias Houston. Uh, we do all the different spaces, content aggregation, everything you need as far as your Houston Rockets content goes. We got you covered. Pass over my man, Brad, because we, we got a special guest today. <laughs> Keep it short and quick. I'm your yeah. other host, Brad. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Brad NBA and the podcast, of course, at Brad and Will on Instagram and Twitter as well. And without further ado, we got my man Ryan Hollins in the building. Uh, we, man, the myth, the legend. We've been happy to get him on. So, <laughs> so Ryan, go ahead and talk to us, my man. How you doing today? What's going on, guys? It, it's been a long time coming, man. Glad we were able to, to connect, man. You guys are doing amazing things here. And I love how the, the, the Rockets community is coming together. You guys are branching off and doing any more even more stuff for the team. So I think this is really, really cool what you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. No, we appreciate that for sure. You know, and, and we we had a list of questions we wanted to ask, you know, personal questions, Rockets related questions. But maybe 10 minutes before we hopped on this uh this this call, we saw you tweet out that you're going to be joining the big three. So I wanted to, you know, we can kind of break that a little bit live here and just kind of give your, um, you know, what, what made you ultimately decide, you know, you want to go back to the big three, all that good stuff. No, man, I appreciate it. I'll be playing with the triplets with Joe Johnson. And uh, the Pargo brothers, man, so it, it's really cool. The draft is actually going on. I don't know who our last teammate is going to be, um, but it's a cool opportunity, man. And, you know, uh, us old guys get to watch basketball, and we still have an itch to get out there and play a little bit. So um, it, it's going to be an absolute blast, man, during the summer to get out and play. But I, I, I'm ecstatic for it. So, you know, guys go a little easy on me when I'm out there. You know, I, I know you guys can break down my analysis, you know, but, but uh, try to take care of me. Now, you know, we're going to be rooting for you. You know, whatever it's – we got – you said the triplets, so when we tune in, we're going to be rooting for the triplets to go all the way this year. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And, Ryan, really quickly, it's been about maybe five, six years since you've been in the NBA. You know, you still got that same bounce. You still got that same uh, – <laughs> you still got the you know, same level athleticism again? Yeah, the, the bounce isn't the same, but I'm a, I'm a whole lot stronger, man. So, you know, I can still get up, but I, I have a little more power to – grab rebounds and hold my position you know and obviously my iq is a whole lot higher so now i'm, I'm maybe not the high flyer that, that i once was but you know I, I think i'm a little more effective in some ways there you go there you go <laughs> yeah. so that's gonna uh segue into my next question because i want to talk about you you know getting into the basketball world of course you were probably extremely good in high school uh quick question did you guys win the state championship your senior year we actually did not. Um, we couldn't make it out of CIF. I, I was more oh, wow. the late bloomer, you know. Okay. I was okay. The, the hard worker. Okay, yeah, because I saw a quick um, – I saw a picture of you in high school, and I was like, oh, I thought they had one state championship. <laughs> but, yeah, Man, going into – You know, we, we win all, like, the little – the local tournaments. We win the local ones, that, you know, but we didn't make it out the – you know, we make it to, like, a CIF, you know, the semifinals, but we, we could not crack past the semifinals. So my school was actually a lot smaller. And we were playing up in like division two. So, you know, we we're playing competition that was, you know, much higher than us. So we played in division four or five. I, I'd have a number of state championships, you know, but, you know, we had to compete against schools that were much larger. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. 
uh, well, segueing into the college experience, like what led you into going to UCLA and like, what was that college experience like going to that school? Man, for, for me, um, going to UCLA was, it was everything. And it was a dream. But a lot of people don't know, I originally signed to St. Louis. And when I signed to St. Louis University, it's for coach Lorenzo Romar. And he ends up going to Washington. And when he let me out of my deal, one thing led to another. And I couldn't believe it. UCLA was knocking at the door. But by that time, it was a business decision. So I knew my skills weren't up to par yet and the opportunities. But I knew that if if I could make the most of that opportunity at UCLA, I'd, I'd have a chance to make it to the NBA. So I was like, you know what? If I'm not good enough to play at UCLA, I don't deserve to be at the NBA. But if I can play at UCLA, every single center since me had gotten drafted. So I said, if I'm the starting center, I'm going to play in the league. And at, at an early age, it was just – it was uh, the common sense breakdown for me. So that I felt like it was a challenge that I had to tackle, and I would know if I was worthy. There you go. And speaking on UCLA as well, I have to speak about this game because this is the game that stood out to me when I was a young kid. Uh, it was known as the Heartbreak City game, Sweet 16. You guys are playing Gonzaga. And they just fumbled the bag. You know, Adam Morrison, Adam Morrison broke down. And I wanted to ask, like, what, like, were the emotions like for you guys, like maybe back in the locker room, like after the game, like, what was it like just making that comeback and winning that game? It was really surreal. Um, I felt like at that point in my life, if there's ever one game, one moment, one feeling that could kind of um, put together how you ever felt in life, everything you were going through, we were down by 17. Gonzaga was disciplined, and it just didn't seem like there was any hope. But we kept fighting, and we never gave up. And for us to finally take the lead was unreal because Gonzaga didn't give that game up. We grinded out, and, and we took it. And that was a really disciplined ball, ball club there. Um, Adam Morrison was hands down the best player in the country at the time. He could do everything. He could shoot, dribble, post, you run, pick and roll, uh, shoot the three, shoot the mid-range, and knock down free throws. He had everything. So, you know, he gave us a run for our money. But you know, we just had to dig deep down and, and, and figure out what we were made of. So just just those moments, just they 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 bring out everything that you are. And uh, for, for me, it was a blessing to be part of it. And to think I was I was down 17 with my. You know, my career on the line, you know, what direction my life was going to go like to me, that's just wild. And there was no time to feel sorry for myself or think twice. And none of our guys did that. So. Um, I just thought it was amazing to keep fighting through. And it's just one of those experiences I wish that everyone could have in life. Uh, when, when things are feeling bleak, you keep churning, you keep fighting, and you never know what might happen. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's amazing. No. Yeah, no, I think that kind of what you just said right there kind of in, um, encapsulates kind of your NBA career, right? Of People may not have believed in you initially, but, you know, despite that, you kept on pushing, you kept on pushing. I wanted to talk about one of your um, – you know, what the moments that you were a part of in your NBA career, 2012 Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, you're on the Boston Celtics at this time. And you guys are playing the Miami Heat. What was that atmosphere like? Because that's like, you know, I'm, I'm a kid at that time watching this. So, like, you could feel the energy through the TV at that point in time. So I can only imagine what that was like, what that series was like, you know, being a part of the teams in that arena. It was war. Um, we didn't like them and they didn't like us. Uh, we felt like LeBron was overrated. We felt like at that time LeBron was soft, that he wouldn't finish in the fourth quarter and that, you know, hey, they were the more talented team, obviously, but we just felt like our experience would win out. Our toughness would win out. And LeBron showed everybody that, you know, he, he's, in, in my opinion, the best player to ever play this game, that game. That game shifted everything to me for him. Like he got that mental hurdle. Like if I can beat the Celtics down 3-2 in their house, uh, nothing else is impossible. So, 
Um, to watch him, I was frustrated, but you had to sit back and respect what he did. We threw, we literally threw the kitchen sink at him, <laughs> you know, and we, we couldn't stop him. So in, in terms of LeBron, um, I, I really got to take my hats off to who he is and what he was able to accomplish. But that was, you know, that was, that was an unreal uh, game and an unreal um, experience to be in. And for me, uh, life-changing experiences. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I remember – um was it game six lebron you know the, the camera zooms in on his face he's he's looking like a monster he's not looking happy at all and yeah he came out so like i, I can just imagine you know if you could feel the energy um you know how competitive and how those two teams didn't like each other at home i can only imagine what it was like um in the yeah. arena itself yeah it was war it was war man like it was personal and to me that's how i grew up playing the game of basketball so to found out again in a professional setting it's nothing like it man guys i, I don't I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do any of that. But like that that roar from the crowd, the cheer, you know, being a part of something, man, I, I, like I said, it's another opportunity that I wish everybody could have that experience of. Like, it's just nothing like it, man. You, I would go home from games and you'd be so pumped up, the adrenaline would just still run, be running through your body. I remember going in the locker room after we had won, um, we had beat Atlanta. And I remember going in the locker room after a big game and I saw, I swear to God, like on uh, Kevin Garnett's arm, he had goosebumps shooting through his arm. He had goosebumps, like literally shooting through his arm, spiking out, and just he was just feeling the, the moment. So like, just being a part of cool stuff like that, man. Like those are memories that you like no one can ever take from me for the rest of my life. So, but just like I said, to be a part of it is is one of the coolest things ever, man. Yeah, and so you know, it's kind of concluding your NBA career. You kind of transitioned into this uh, sports analyst. Uh, you know, going on um, ESPN Sports and all that good stuff. How did you kind of get involved in that? How did you know that was for you? Um, yeah, and like, what was what was that experience like? I took a broadcasting course uh, with the MBPA while playing. You know, I was fortunate to play 10 years. So, you know, if I stop at year five or six or, you know, four, I probably don't have those opportunities. But I had a chance to really focus on what I do, you know, post-basketball. Obviously play for as long as I can play, but to start thinking about other things, you know. And uh, when it came to commentating, I found something that I could compete in. I found something that I was good at and found something that, you know, I love. Like, I glow when the camera comes on. It's something that I wasn't good at, and I felt like, hey, I can work at this. So um, that's where broadcasting, I really got that itch. And for me, while I was playing, I, I was doing radio. I was doing any little TV hit I could do. I'd show up on the news. I was doing all those little things. So um, that's, that's pretty much where that itch to come from, to be on TV. Because, like, if you know me, or you, you guys have followed me in the league or something, you'd probably be surprised. Like, like man, Ryan is so quiet. You know, Ryan doesn't talk. You know, so, so a lot of people hear me talking that knew me and are surprised, like, where did all that come from? You know, we, we didn't know that he was he was thinking about those things. Obviously, like, my close friends knew. Like, like you two get together and talk, and you guys light it up. But, you know, just everybody else is probably like, you know, you're super quiet. You know, where, where did that all come from? Yeah. Hey, I'm glad that you said that you were good at it because that was the one thing I'm glad I, I get to finally ask you this question, but because I've been thinking about it for a while now, but there was this stigma. Oh, Ryan Howes doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what he's talking about. When you would go on first take, they'd say you didn't know what you're talking about. But like, I remember one day uh, earlier um, this year, because I, I was aware of that stigma. I'm like, you know, let me go back and listen to what Ryan was saying. And a lot of it, a lot of the takes they were saying that you were missing on. I'm like, bro, Ryan was right. Like, when you look back two, three years ago, like, two or three years down the line, like, bro, Ryan was, like, a lot of what you're saying came to fruition. And everybody was saying, oh, he didn't know what he was talking about. So, I, you know, I kind of gave you the opportunity to kind of clear that air up and what your thoughts were on that. Um, For one, you, you got to think, when, when you get to, like, A-list level, like, like, hey, man, like, pick up your phone and see a Ryan Hollis notification. Um, 
who's more it's a, it turns into a popularity contest it's not about what was said because a lot of people agree with me and the things that i actually say um there's a lot of people that think lebron james uh is better than michael jordan for me everyone defines their goat list differently so for me i feel like lebron has hit a bigger peak than michael jordan has was michael more consistent more dominant that's not in question but everybody defines their goats different so i think you have to respect each and everyone's opinion there but for me like i said the biggest thing is a popularity contest whether you agree or not, when you see on TV Shaquille O'Neal and Ryan Hollins, I would say Shaq is a more popular than me. Max Kellerman, who's been on TV every day, Max Kellerman is more popular than me. That's like a big brother to me, man. Shout out Max Kellerman, by the way. Stephen A. Smith or Ryan Hollins, Stephen Smith is more popular than me. You, you know, so um, I think it's just a blessing to be uh, mentioned in those things. And the one thing um, where I thank you guys for, and you guys don't even know this, um, I took like a player's mentality when I first went into broadcasting. Do your job, go home. You don't need to explain who you are. You've done your job and let it sit there. And people were creating their own narratives about me. People didn't know how amazing I was. People didn't know how thoughtful I was. People didn't see me as a person. They just saw me as a former player. And they dove into, you know, bulletin board statements that were made by me or, or, or you know, headlines rather than the actual content of what was said. Um, so I learned that shape your own narrative. Go out and talk to the fans for yourself. You know, be vocal. And I thank you guys to death because you guys through the spaces community has given me an opportunity for you guys to actually get to know me. So when you guys, when you guys listen to the games, now you're like, you know what? Like I kind of know Ryan, I know where he's coming from. I know, I know he's got four kids. I know he's got a wife. I know he's in bed playing video games by, by nine o'clock. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like you guys know that. So you envision me rather than just hearing the things that I say. So for me, I really try to take advantage of my own narrative since then. Um, and a lot of things I said were right, but people don't actually dive in and listen to the story. And the irony is a lot of people agree with me on a lot of those things, but Ryan Hollins is going to lose the popularity contest. And, you know, I've come to understand that. But like I said, I'm thankful to be able to take advantage of my own narrative and been welcomed by open arms by, you know, Rocket Twitter, the Rockets family and, and everything moving forward. So I think, you know, since you guys have met me, it's like this dude is nothing like you guys have been talking about. But I take my own accountability of not creating, you know, creating my own narratives and pushing my own messages and letting people know how amazing I am. Yeah, because I have to say, Ryan, like I listen to you on ESPN all the time. And for you to come in those Twitter spaces for the first time, you know, everyone was just like starstruck, like, oh, we got Ryan in here. And then you started coming in there consistently, <laughs> consistently. And like at one point, it was just like, you know, Ryan's one of the guys Like you would always be in there listening. And we are so appreciative of that. And, you know, the entire fan base loves it. You know, we hear it in the group chats all the time. Like, oh, Ryan's pulling up, Ryan's pulling up. And it's just cool. Like, we really appreciate you for always coming on. Like the community loves you for that. And like, like I said, we're just grateful. And I, I, was, I honestly want to ask you, like, what led you to start coming into those, like, in the first place? Because it was just out of nowhere. So I wanted to ask you really quickly. I think I went on one time and, like, I saw it. And, like, once you, like, click in, I think, like, it took my name to the top. And I'm, like, I'm, I'm just, like, listening to you guys. I didn't think you guys could, like, really see me like that. And then somebody, like, I forget who it was, like, low-key probably will. Like, it was, like, yo, like, <laughs> hey. Yo, hold on, guys. Ryan Hollins is in here. He's been listening to y'all. Like, somebody called me out and was like, hold on. He's in here? Say something. And, like, somebody called me out, and I was like, all right. Like, you know, I talk. How you guys doing? I'm here. Like, I just I just came to listen, honestly, and kind of, like, be a fan, you know? Um, and then we had, like, a, like darn near, like, a two- or three-hour Q&A. Like, we just kept rolling. I feel like just the attention and detail and love from the Rockets community spurred me to feel more comfortable to go in there and talk. This wasn't wild questions. This wasn't like, hey, man, fire Steven Silas. It was more like, hey, man, what are the Rockets running? You know, what's the future? 
Um, what positions that do you think you could put Jalen Green in to be successful? Everything was so constructive that I was like, man, I, I love coming in here. And you guys, you know, just show so much love. But like I said, the IQ of the Rockets Twitter and fan base was unbelievable to me. And like, I'm a, I'm a basketball nerd. Like, well, I used to stay up with my former teammates and, and that all night long and just be talking basketball and my, uh, and my dreams and how much I love the game. So people who love the game as much as me, like I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, man. But you guys, you guys really, you know, we just vibe. One of the fellas, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, definitely one of the fellas. And I have to give Will props because I have to go to bed early sometimes for these spaces. And I wake up and see in the chat that, oh, you know, Ryan was in here till like 2, 3 a.m., you know, just chopping it up with us. <laughs> That's extremely cool to me that you would just stay up that late and just talk hoops with us. But I also want to just rewind it back a little bit. You know, you talked about how you had that great chemistry, like with Max Kellerman and a lot of those other guys. So going into the Rockets side of things, like I want to ask you, how did you get into like you saw like legends like, you know, Matt Buller, they were leaving, Bill Well, they're out. So this opportunity presents itself. Like, why does Ryan Holland say, hey? I'm coming to Houston to take this job. I want to be a broadcaster for the Houston Rockets. And how is your chemistry now with Craig Ackerman after the first full season that you've had? Well, for one, it was a blessing that they even reached out. And, um, you know, people may not know this. Like, I never played for the Rockets, but that's a team that made me fall in love with basketball. You know, 1992, I think that first championship came about. And watching – I'm a tall kid, so watching Hakeem and Shaq go at it, I was like, those guys are like me. And then just seeing how well that team played around Hakeem, watching his footwork – and his humility um, while playing and on and off the court, that for me was just, was everything. And, and I gravitated towards the game. That was that, that, those moments, those, you know, those first fuzzy moments of basketball, like it was, it was as, as a Rockets fan and, and watching the team win. So um, for me, it's a blessing. I never had a chance to play for the Rockets, but I've always had so much respect for the franchise and the name and the culture and, and the winning mentality, you know, in, in, in the city. So um, having a chance to, to follow uh, in Bull's footsteps, like, it, it, like I was just, I was, in, I was blessed to just get an interview, bro. Like to be honest, <laughs> and then when it came through, I'm like, this is unreal. Like this is unreal, you know. And for me, a lot of people may not know; they just know me from first take. But in this side of business, I've had to get down and, and grind and do all the all of the little things. So I prided myself on knowing different forms of uh, communication and broadcasting. So whether it be calling a game doing studio work, you know, doing college work, working for different networks, um, doing a sports center hit, you know, there's, there's a different format for every single show. And I prided myself on learning how to do that and being a jack of all trades. So calling a game is something that I had to learn how to do and became natural to me. But when you first start, like there's no like manual on how to do things or, or radio. I started in radio. Well, radio is completely different from TV guys. So um, I had to learn these different crafts and then find out how to be good at it. You know, I went from radio to doing sports center. They're like, you're talking too long, get to your point. You know, but like you're doing uh, radio and you need to talk longer, you need to elaborate, you need to paint a picture, you know? So I think that's really cool. And in terms of Craig, man, it, it's funny, like, you know, I, I swear like if, if if Craig was seven feet tall, like he playing the NBA too, like like me and that dude, we, we're such, we're so similar. We're basic, we're boring, we're, we're, we're cheap. We, we go to bed early, we're family men. Like there's so many things that we vibe and agree on. And like, we absolutely love the Rockets. So like, you'll hear us. And I think you guys know it. Like we have genuine passion for the things that are happening, you know, and, and obviously radio background. So I think it was really, it's really cool working with Craig. And you know, I always say this, like Craig allows me to be me. Like when you work with a partner that's laid back or a little more traditional, 
you have to go and vibe with your partner. You don't want to disrespect your partner, but at the same time, you don't get a chance to be you. Craig Ackerman allows me to be me. And I think that's the really, the really coolest thing about being on a broadcast. And you guys have seen, as we learn each other, as we grow, you can actually see our friendship come out on air. You know, we'll laugh with each other, we'll joke with each other, but even bigger, like our passion for the team comes out. And like you spend a lot of time with these young guys and you watch them, you have a love for the city and love for them and you want to see them do well. So um, I, I'm a big homer, man. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve, but I think that's the coolest thing about working with Craig because he's similar to myself and then bringing that flavor to the broadcast. And you guys know just we, we, we cut up sometimes, man. We just be out there having fun. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> no, and no, I think you, you kind of touched on the next question I was going to ask you. You talked about like you being a homer. One of uh, you said you did a sit down with, uh, with Kelly Eco the other day. And one of the things you said in that, you know, was that you plan to grow gray hairs here. Um, and so, you know, first off, we're, I don't know, I can speak for me and Brad, we're ecstatic to hear that, you know, you'll be here for the rest of your, your rest of your career, because I got, like I said, I can speak for myself. Um, when I was like, I've been a Rockets fan my whole life. Um, so, you know, Bill Rorell and Matt Bullock, those were the two voices of Houston sports, Houston basketball for me for like the longest time, watch every game, all that good stuff. And so to see Matt Bullard and Craig, I'm not Craig, I remember Matt Bullard and Bill Rorell go, go last year. That was like, that broke my heart. Like I was like, yeah. I grew up with these guys, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if anybody can even fill these shoes. You and Craig did a great job, you know what I'm saying? Like filling that role in. So, I mean, like, I, I, I told you this in the space before, I cannot listen to any other broadcast but the AT&T Sportsnet broadcast. Like, if we're playing an away game, I'm going to find a way to watch, you know, the game here, like the, the, the local broadcast. I cannot – I can't watch it. So, my question to you, obviously, is, you know, you're talking about retiring, you know, growing gray hairs here. You know, what, what is that like for you? What has Houston been like for you? For one, that's the goal, man. I, I, I want to do everything to stay in this position, man. I don't, I, I don't plan on going anywhere, for one. And I think the biggest thing for me to be able to achieve that is support from, from you know, Bill Worrell, support from Wool. Those guys reaching out and saying, you're doing a great job. They don't have to do that. You know, Bull pulling me to the side, giving me advice, um, you know, taking me through the ropes. He's the same veteran he was on the court, off the court. That meant everything. And, you know, for those who know, for me on there, I feel like my job is it's never been about Ryan Hollins. My job is to pay homage to those guys to Bull and the job that he did. I don't need to be the next Bull. I don't need to be different than Bull. I can honor him and the job that he did and what he means to the city. That would never go and that would never change. And for him to welcome me in, that dude doesn't have to do that. You, you know what I'm saying? Like that dude doesn't have to do that in any shape or capacity. So that's that's humbling to me. And like I said, I want to pay homage to the players on the court, pay homage to the city, pay homage to the fans, pay homage to all, all everything that's going on amazing here. I got to let everybody know how amazing that Houston the Houston uh, community is. So um, that that's my goal and it makes my job easy because you guys know, if anything, Ryan Hollins is a straight shooter. So I try to, you know, stay as honest as I can and, you know, you guys make it easy. There's really, really amazing things going on and we can go down the list of things that excite us about this team moving forward. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like there, there is so much to, to be excited for with this team moving forward. We're gonna kind of transition to some rocket questions here. Um, and one of them, like I said, you, you keep you keep touching on them, right? One of them was going to be, you know, what are the expectations for next season? Who do you think will take the biggest leap out of, you know, the young the young core we had last year? Who do you think took the biggest leap this year? You know what's crazy, man? I, I don't like to say I don't know, but I'm a history major. So let's tag back to the things that we do know. Josh Christopher was such so much of a better shooter than we expected. And it was like, all right, well, Josh, if Josh can shoot – we know he can play because he got everything else. He's great in transition. He's going to be a good defender. 
He's going to learn. He's got a great frame, great athlete. Man, he's knocking down those threes. You know, some contested, obviously, all the wide open ones. Boom. That's money. All right, Jalen Green starts off slow. Just Jalen, get out there and play, get comfortable. And Jalen just starts catching fire. So that was unexpected. Alpron Shingun was getting doubled and triple teamed on the block. He was taking NBA All-Stars to school. He was fearless. So we're like, man, that is gold. You know, Garuba having a big 14, 15 rebound game, you know, uh, continued excellence from K.J. Martin. You know, his energy, I think, really finding a place in the league. So you, you had Jayshon Tate being himself doing a dirty work. So you had so many things that I don't think we expected uh, moving forward. So I mean, I'll throw out, hey, man, like, wow, like Jalen continuing at the pace. Honestly, if we just get another year, if Jalen picks up where he left off from and he's consistently there, that's such a dub. Like, you guys don't know how important consistency is. If Josh Christopher is that six-man-of-the-year type mentality, I'm going to give you whatever you guys need. If it's defense, if it's hot shooting, you know, if I need to spark the comeback, like, he's that type of guy. You, you know, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., I think he really got a grip on the type of point guard that he is. It, it And to me, I guess to answer your question, I'm sorry for going all over the place. No, no, no. Guys, man, You're doing great. It's like – if they can be consistently what we saw at the end of the season, you're going to, we're going to be in a good place. And I think improve on some of the things that just come with experience. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, uh, like I think about the Utah game, like we were beating Utah at home that last game and they just kind of figured keep getting to the foul line, you know, keep milking clock, keep taping, taking time out of the game and, you know, we'll be successful, but that's a veteran team. So, if we start learning, like, all right, you know, stop fouling. Okay, man, they really can't guard us, you know. Like, hey, this, this, and this is happening. So I think when you get on the other side, you start to figure those things out. So I think that veteran uh, kind of experience that you can't get from, you know, just other than being there, you know. I thought that uh, when Dennis came back, I, I don't know if he'll be uh, – hopefully he's a Rocket again next year, but I thought him healthy in a full season, you know, what, what he's able to bring, I thought it was a good compliment that he didn't mind starting or coming off the bench in great, great minutes. I think that that's, that's a steal if, if that can work out. I, I don't know. But, I mean, I just really like what the team was able to bring uh, bring to the table. Hey, Christian, man, I thought Christian was excellent down the stretch. We saw, like, flashes of, like, like greatness from Christian. You know, his versatility is special, dude. So, um, it was. It, I just think we see that same team come back, figure out how to play together, how to gel together. Our guys already like each other and grow is gold, man. It's gold. I, I don't even want to project something else wild. Just it's gold. Be be what we saw. <laughs> yeah, no, literally, because I actually wanted to ask you, because this is a team, of course, two years in a row having the worst record in the league. Of course, added a lot of young talent last year. So going into this upcoming year, they're adding a top three talent, another top 17 talent in the draft. So everyone expects this team to grow. You had the owner of the team said so they expect the Rockets to win more games this year. But coming from an NBA player, how hard is it for a team to take that leap from you know, 20 wins to let's say like 30 or 35 wins. Like that's a big gap in my opinion, but how hard is it for a team to actually make that leap? It's extremely hard. Um, you're going to get better by being older, by having been there, you know, a, a second year in a row. And there's a lot of games that were decided, you know, by five points or fewer. You know, you minimize those games. You think about all the, the little nuances where we lost certain games, like we were there and it was a five point game and we lost it. And you start to figure out why you lost those games or what happened. And then it makes everything a lot easier. Hey, man, if Kevin and Jalen, those two right now point out, 
kind of figure out how to be consistently that guy, you're going to have Coach Steven Sides that can draw plays around their excellent play on the court and the things that they're doing. And they'll start both for willing passers. They'll get guys like K.J. Martin wide open. They'll get, you know, those, those Alperon Shingun wide open layups. And I think the game, the team took major strides, but they just had to figure things out defensively and how to stay high-powered. Like teams on the opposing side were scared of the Rockets in transition, you know, the team getting up and down the floor, how fast, you know, the team speed is. So I think harnessing in the things that they do well and taking out the things that they do bad, playing to their strengths. And I thought, like I said, down the end of the season, our team and our young guys really played to their strengths. And that's really the key to the NBA. There's no perfect players out there. The, the, the closest thing we can get to, get to perfection is what, you know, Michael, Magic, Bird, Kobe, LeBron, like those guys, like, you know, unless you're them, you got to play to your strengths. You know, Hakeem, you, you know, unless you're them, you got to play to your strengths. So I think that's one of the biggest goals moving forward and getting better defensively. No. And, you know, one thing we heard you say the other day um, was that you think Kevin Porter Jr. has a top five, top 10 skill set in the NBA. And I mean, like, see, I'm, I'm, I'm big on KPJ myself. So um, I'm curious as to, you know, can you expand a little bit more on that and what you meant by that? Hey, 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 Will, you've been in some KPJ fist fights, man. You get you get pretty animated when it comes to KPJ. So, so, so you 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 picked up on that, Ron? That I get real, I get real um liberal around KPJ. Yeah, man. You you may have had a few desktops, man. I, I, I like that, man. Someone someone to go blue collar, man, and do the dirty work, man. You you in there so, like Jay Shot Tate, man? So I got I got a little funny story I can tell about that, right? So, um, I don't know how much you keep up with the the Twitter side of of Rockets Twitter, right? But we have the running joke that I'm the biggest Christian Wood fan on the app, right? That's the running joke is that no one's a bigger Christian Wood fan than me. And I remember one day I was talking to Paulo and um, Jackson Gallon, shout out Jackson. And I was talking to them and they were like, uh, Jackson was surprised to hear that Christian Wood is, is not my favorite player on the, on the Rockets. And I was like, no, he's, he's, he's probably my second or maybe even third favorite player. Like I, I, I like KPJ and Jalen better. And Paulo was like, you know how I knew, KPJ, I mean, Christian Wood was not your favorite player. He said, I know it was KPJ. And he said he knew it was KPJ because I get mad when people talk about KPJ. <laughs> if you talk about Christian Wood, I'm going I'm to I'm defend him. I'm going I'm to, you know, I'm going to hold my own with Christian Wood. But if you say something about KPJ, I get I get upset about it. So it's, it's funny that you picked up on that. And, and, and you know, hey, man, I, I love me some Christian Wood too, man. I yeah. think when I see him, when I see Christian on the floor, selfishly, I see a lot of, what I may look like or would have had to been in today's NBA, you know, so I, I, I'm always had love for Christian Wood, you know, matter, no matter where he's at, like, you know what I'm saying? For, for the rest of his career, I'm always be a huge fan. I just, I see he's so talented, man, but he has so many, so many tools. Um, but back in terms of your original question with, with Kevin Porter, uh, his skill set to me, if we really think about top players in the NBA, right? All right. He can shoot the three off the bounce. He can shake you out of your shoes. He's 6'5", he's strong, he can defend multiple positions, and he can finish strong at the rim. There's not many guys in the league that can do that. Like, that can go out, isolate you, and, and literally make you fall. Like, he was making defenders fall at the end of the season. There's not many guys in the league that can do that. So you're saying, all right, Kevin, how do we harness your skills? And then, Kevin, how do we do it at the point guard position? And I think the goal of having him play the point guard position is now if he does ever, ever for whatever reason play off the ball, he's going to be a much better player. And what's crazy is like, I don't know, I'm not the big analytics guy. When Kevin plays off the ball, 
he like doesn't miss catch and shoot threes. Yeah, so Ryan, really quickly, I got you on that. He's 48.2%. Yeah, 48.2% on catch and shoot threes this year. Uh, So amongst all qualified players and people that played over 60 games, that's number one in the NBA. So catch and shoot, absolute sniper. (laughs) So like if he ever goes off the ball for some reason, it's going to be unreal. But like there's so much value in having him on the ball. Like I just think he's oozing with so much potential. But like really name the guys that can do what he does. All right, LeBron. Durant, Booker, Luca, Harden, Curry, like we're putting him in, in Paul George, Kawhi, like we're putting him in elite company. If your general manager said, all right, I need a guy who can do this, this, and this, and this, you're like, dang, Kevin Porter Jr. is one of those guys, like uh, Donovan Mitchell, like he is in that elite superstar category of skill set, you know, and it's just him growing, maturing, and putting it together you know yeah, yeah. no so i want to real quick i want to ask him a follow-up question about that so you, you kind of touched on it at the very end but one of the things the, the questions with kevin porter jr have never ever ever been how talented he is right everybody knows he's one of the most talented players in the nba um kevin love you know whose teammate on the cavaliers was on record saying he was the most talented player on that roster um when he was there the biggest question with kpj has always been Will his mental allow him to reach that level, right? So what do you think it's going to take for KPJ to put that behind him and just, you know, reach his full potential? He's young, man. Everybody's different. Um, And Kevin is critical of himself. He knows his mistakes. Um, So I don't don't ever feel like – and I I just feel like when he's made his mistakes, I hate when people go to crucify him. He knows the mistakes that he's made. He knows he's got to be better. Um, He's a professional, and and I I know the team – I know Coach Silas personally, and, and in front office, I have faith that whatever measures they feel is acceptable to do, that it, it, it'll be done. And I'm just speaking for myself there, but I know he's a really good kid, man. Like I, I love that dude behind the scenes. So I know he, had, I know how big of his, his heart is, you know. And I, you know, I hope that you know everything is put together. But everybody matures at different times. What, what is Kevin? Twenty three years old. Twenty two. Twenty two. Just turned twenty two. Twenty two years old, bro. And you guys are young yourself, so you're not too far. But I'm telling you, at twenty two years old. I'm not saying I was a head case, but I couldn't imagine being in his shoes. You know, I might, I'd have made, made some of those mistakes too, you know? So at 22 years old, you're, you're not even close to being uh, the man that you are today. And everybody matures and grows at a different part. But Kevin knows the mistakes that, he, that he's made. You know, you, people don't need to beat him up over, over things that have happened. And, you know, like I said, he's a great dude, man. Like, I, I love that dude beyond beyond basketball. If he never pick, picks up another basketball day in his life, I love the man that Kevin Porter Jr. is, you know? And, um, you know, I, I believe in him. I, I really honestly do. Yeah, I, I believe in the kid, too. And a thing that annoys me uh, surrounding KPJ, he obviously had some incidents that happened when he was in Cleveland, came to Houston. And the only real knock that he's had is, you know, him leaving that game at halftime. And, you know, the feedback that I heard from everybody after that incident, you know, oh, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. Showing, you know, he wants to be a leader. He just had that one rough incident. He's going to bounce back. And, I mean, literally, since he's been in Houston, that's the only thing that I can see that's knockable. But the kid shows so much potential and that he wants to grow and, you know, everyone has his back. And some people say he's a locker room cancer. I just don't hear that. Like, do you think that's nonsense? You know, people calling him a locker, a locker room cancer? I mean, I think the biggest thing you said is he, he wants to be a leader and he's trying to learn how to be a leader. Like, some of his frustrations you can see on the court and he's learning. And I thought towards the end of the season, forget how great his numbers were. I felt like he got into a place where uh, if a mistake happened, he put it past himself. 
And I feel like he just kind of tuned the game out and he gave himself to the game of basketball. When you give yourself to the game of basketball and you just play and just do everything that's asked of you, um, those things are contagious. And I felt like that just really made him go to another level. And I know sometimes only people are going to talk about the bad stuff. Talk about the way that he finished the season up. Talk about his, his level of focus. Talk about, you know, the things that he did, you know, how selfless he is coming down on the break. And now he's thinking for four other guys and who's going to get the best shot on the floor and, you know, when to be aggressive and, and when to take certain shots. So, you know, I think it's a growing process, but let's point out the positives um, that he did there. And, you know, he, he's learning how it is. And I'm telling you, when you're young, you, you don't even fully understand it. And shout out to the coaching staff, you know, behind the scenes for working with Kevin and whatever zone he got into, I just felt like he was at, really at a place of peace. And um, I, I can appreciate what he was able to do down the stretch, man, his, his energy, and his body language, and unless you walk the Dan Kevin Porter shoes, I'm not big on on, on judging um, whatever he's done. Thank nah, you. That, that's yeah. So that's that. That's crucial right there. And you know, speaking of the misunderstood players um, on this roster, right? There is it's the biggest. Yeah, KPJ. KPJ had to had to call to let him know that you know we we, we talked good about him. But <laughs> but speaking of the um the misunderstood players on this roster, right? Like there is my guy Christian Wood. I think he's probably the most misunderstood um, player, at least on, on Twitter, Rock Twitter, social spaces. He's, he's definitely misunderstood by that group of people. So can you speak on, you know, Christian Wood and, and what it would take for him to, I guess, not be so misunderstood? I think Christian has an elite skill set that you can't teach. I think he has another, like, if you think about a big man who can, uh, you know, he's long, he's athletic, he can shoot the three, um, he can put the ball on the deck off of a closeout, you know, he can push in transition. There's a number of things that Christian does well. I think it's just fine-tuning them. And I think, you know, if Christian's able to come into a season of consistency, I can think consistency will help him out. And this is also his first year ever fully healthy and is saying, like, Christian, also, you're the leader of this ball club. Show up and give us 20 and 10 every night. You know, like, that's tough to do. You know, in our offense, our young guys, we're trying to figure out how to play fast, how to play together, how to have a grip of the, the playbook. You know, I remember earlier in the season, you know, Kevin would come down court and he looked at Coach Silas and be like, all right, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, and then Coach Silas had to walk him through it. But towards the end of the year, I saw Kevin coming down. You go here, you go here, you go here, putting guys in position to be successful. And I bring that up for in terms of Christian Wood because that's going to help Christian out. You know, when you can give him the ball and you can um, allow him to play to his strengths and how skilled and how versatile he is, man, he's an absolute weapon. And he, he was one of the top rebounders in the NBA. So I think that is that is something you can't teach there. You know, he'd go out and get a rebound. So I love what Christian brings to the table. I think as this team grows, you know, he can definitely be a piece. But I think with his skill set, man, he, he's one of the more intriguing big men that we have in the league, you know. And like I said, he's also a guy who's learning how, how to be um, a, a leader also. And I, I spoke with Christian, man. Christian is a great kid, man. He's definitely a great kid. You know, he's, you know, he has things he has to work on. He's figuring out how to be a leader. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can do those things moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and, Ryan, I wanted to segue back into, you know, kind of what you said about KPJ. Again, you said top five, ten talent, five, ten talent in the league. So now talking about Jalen Green, right, a guy who went insane at the end of the year. Um, so if you if you had to put a number on it, right, uh, talking about Jalen Green's peak, what do you think this guy's player potential is? Like I've heard people say he could reach Kobe levels of talent. Like what do you think his peak is as a player? I think the peak maybe is not Kobe, but in that in that vicinity, um, like peak, peak, like because he he's so athletic, 
he's going to get stronger in the way that he can get his shot off. So it was dangerous if he starts toying with guys and just starts shooting over guys. Do you think about we see like Devin Booker hits tough contested shots in, in traffic. You know, Kawhi Leonard does those things. Kobe Bryant did those things. We saw Jalen kind of doing that. But Jalen, we've all seen certain plays from him. It's like, yo, he can do that every time down the floor. Like, hold on. Like, he can do that every time down the floor. And that's where you're going, whoa, if he puts that together, it's super dangerous. And then I like that Jalen, you know, really kind of accepted the role to say, I'm going to play off of the basketball. And towards the end of the season, started getting more confident in his dribble, got got some strength. Shout out to Coach Willie Cruz, strength on. And he was able to get to the hole and really use his speed to excel. But the stronger that he gets, the bigger that he gets, the even better. So I think the biggest one of his biggest assets is that you know he's going to get stronger. You know he's going to get faster. You know he's going to get more comfortable with the NBA game. And he just did that off just being faster than everybody. So wait till he's able to hold his ground or he understands just like you can't block my shot. Like that's the scary part about Jalen that we're wondering to see, all right, how can he get there? And then we know how driven that he is. That's where you can't really cap what he's going to be. So I don't, I don't think he's necessarily like pound for pound Kobe. They play different, but in that mode of that shooting guard can go out and get you a bucket. That's where you have to look at it. And then Kobe didn't play in this era, you know? So there's like no rim protection down there. The game is a lot faster. It's a different game that we play. So, you know, different versions of what we can expect from Jalen Green. But I think it's, it's like, it's scary. Just think about it, man. Like what we were watching, it was like, whoa, like, the light click like it turned on man yeah it did yeah if you look at this man's accolades at the end of the season it seemed like he was breaking the record every single day with that 30 point stretch you know first to do it since ai and mj so you know the rockets fans they have a lot to look forward to with Jalen green but i'll pass it off to will <laughs> no and you know speaking of just being excited for i i wanted i know the last time we spoke um you know in the spaces you had told us that you hadn't done enough research on uh, the incoming draft class, I, you know, I'm curious to see if, if since then have you had a time to sit down and kind of research the guys at the top of that um top of the draft class? You know, we just got pick three, um, so you know, have you kind of looked into that yet, or what are your thoughts on that? Put me on the spot again? No, I'm joking. Of course, I research. <laughs> um, I'm ecstatic. You know, normally after a year like this, if we fail to the third pick, I'd be steaming. I was like, cool. You, you have five guys who can come in and help contribute and be huge, be huge. So, you know, whether it's whether it's Paulo, uh, whether it's Chet, uh, whether it's the kid from Auburn, I think those three, you have great choices. And then Jaden Ivey is a dog with his, his athleticism. I know we got a lot of wings, but hey, you, you can find a play. If you get a guy like that, you find a way for him to play. Um, but those guys are, are special, man. And I think you got to be really, really excited. Banchero, I think, you know, he can kind of fit in and play with different players on the team if we get him. I think with Chet, there's a big boomer bust potential there. You know, forgive me, I don't think anybody who's become a pretend, uh, a, a, when I say bust, I just I, don't, don't take that in the right context because I feel like if you made it to be one of the elite basketball players, you're never a bust. But I'm saying, like, with his skill set, man, that dude could be different, you know, with his ability to block shots and, and knock down threes. Like, there's a lot to care from Auburn with his length and shooting ability, the way that he can stretch the floor. Ivy with his explosive athleticism. I mean, think about how fast the team would be getting up and down. So, man, I, ju I just think the best thing is that one through five is kind of even. Like, I don't think we have a clear-cut number one. 
it's kind of like, well, what does your team need? Or like, what do you, you know, what do you, what do you want to do with that pick? And I think that's the special thing about this draft. And that's like I said, like, I'm not tripping. Like, I, I think maybe let somebody else had a pressure going, going one, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I think this is really cool where I think last year, like it was like Cade and Jalen, like, you know, like Cade and Jalen were like one and two, like no matter what, those two were going to go in those spots. And I think you have a lot of versatility now. Yeah. I want to say that this draft class is really good. I've been researching a lot of the guys. It looks like from reports, consensus is showing that Jabari Smith will go one. OKC will take Chet, which will leave the Rockets with Banchero. Of course, the draft is June 23rd, so there's a lot of time until then. But uh, Rockets fans look to be excited if Banchero were to come to Houston. So it's good to get your input on that. You said you did your research. So well, you guys have already drafted Banchero. <laughs> I, I see you guys have drafted Banchero, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the guy, man. Yeah, he's the, the guy. guy. He's the guy. I, I'd be happy with all of them. You know, These top guys yeah, are set up yeah. really good. Uh, Jabari Smith, incredible player, as you said, same with Chet. But, you know, Brad and Will, on this side, we're, we're good with any of the top three. <laughs> but that's all yeah, of my we, questions we, for today. Or go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you, you, I mean, you can't go wrong. This is not like the, like, ah, man, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, right. I, 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 all those kids are good. All those kids are good. Like, and, and you know it. There's not, like, there's not just that consensus, number one. Like, nothing would surprise you. You, you, you know, you, you guys might need to hush up saying Banchero. He might get taken number one now. You already committed to him. He might be off the board. You know, don't like him too much, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, we'll simmer down. We'll, we'll tell the guys in the, in the group chat to, you know, simmer nah, down. We, we we not simmering down. We, we talking about, man, you got you to go all the way in. So when he's a rocket in a month, we can say we called it. But, I mean, I, I think that perfectly that perfectly encapsulates what's, uh, what this Rockets fan base is. And we kind of come to a conclusion here, right? We're extremely passionate we're extremely knowledgeable. We're extremely invested in this team and in the, you know, the young guys and their success. And I said this kind of earlier, but we really appreciate, you know, just you for being authentically and genuinely yourself um, coming in the spaces. I don't think you understand how cool that is to have the guy, you know, we, 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 we all watch, we watch every single game. So having the guy who's commentating on the game, we all watch an hour later, then come join the, the after, after uh game, you know, discussions like that's, I don't think there's any other fan base that has that. So, like, that's extremely cool. We really appreciate you for doing that, um, you know, just connecting with us. I know that, you know, I, I can only speak for me and Brad, but I'm pretty confident when I, I can speak for everybody. When we say we're really appreciative of you, your time, you know, saying how, how invested and interactive you are with the community and with the fan base, um, it means the most to us. And like like I said earlier, man, we we, we, we I genuinely mean this. We hope that you're here for the rest of your career. Like, that that would mean the most to us. Okay, so. Yeah. With that being said, bro, I'm gonna let you come to a conclusion, and then we we can wrap it. Well, well hey man, y'all keep shooting out those positive tweets towards me. Keep showing love, man, and uh, you, you guys don't go unnoticed, man. You definitely have a voice. <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm always gonna be shooting those positive tweets at you, man. I love all your quotes, the Shane Goon quotes throughout the game. I've quoted them a million times. You say, you know, just feed Shane Goon the ball. I don't care if he just got it, just feed him. I will always tweet that anytime you say that. So, <laughs> and everything appreciate else, of course, it, man. Appreciate yeah, we love you on the rock in the Rockets community, but. Uh, most of most and foremost, I want to thank you for coming on to Ryan. Like, this is a blessing to get you on the pod. We talk to you all the time in the spaces, so it's like you, you're one of the guys at this point. So, again, I just wanted to <laughs> appreciate you for coming on. Uh, just to plug, I am your host, of course, Brad uh, at Brad NBA is where you can find me. Brad NBA, yeah, on Instagram and Twitter, that's where you can find me. Podcast, you can find that at Brad and Will, of course. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. Uh, we're almost at a thousand, so please, uh, that would help us a lot. And I'll pass it off to Will. Yeah, same thing, man. You can find me at Bias Houston, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Brad already plugged the uh, the the podcast socials. 
make sure you guys keep up with the uh, Clutch City Control Room socials, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. We're still trying to grow, like he said. Um, subscribe wherever you get your podcast at. And with that being said, Ryan, um, you want to want to plug yourself real quick? I, I know you're, you're, you're Hollywood, you're big time, but <laughs> uh, man, um, at the Ryan Hollins on Twitter, where you guys have been showing major love. Make sure you guys go follow. Um, I appreciate the followers have grown a little bit. I know we can probably get up a, a, a little more. And uh, Instagram, just Ryan Hollins on there. And then I do, I'm official Ryan Hollins on TikTok. I'm not really quite good at TikTok yet. I'm trying to figure it out. But uh, if that's your thing, go show some love there too. Hey, real quick, Ryan, how many how many followers on Twitter do you have you, off, the, off the top of your head? Do you know? I think it's only like 36 or 37. Oh, so uh, okay. Y'all got to show I was some go- major love, man. I was go. I was gonna say I'm, I'm gonna catch you, but nah, I don't know if I'm gonna get 36. So, <laughs> nah, yeah. But hey, man, that's gonna do it. Like I said, Ryan, we appreciate you and your time. Um, episode will be coming out Monday, so you guys, stay tuned. Appreciate y'all.